Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. Last week, I started sharing with you about the difference between principle, laws, tradition, and commandments according to Dr. Miles Monroe's explanation. And I got to laws and principles and some alert people pointed out that I didn't complete that. So I want to make sure that I complete it just before I do what what else I'm going to speak on this morning. So remember we said that precepts comes before principle and that precept is the thought while principle is the function. You are thinking about making some mask that people can breathe through a little bit easier and they don't have to feel uncomfortable wearing them for hours. It's a precept. But until you really get down to making the masks, it remains a precept. So the principle is the function when you start making them. So as I said, precept comes before principle. principle precept is the thought, principle is the function. And principle is, as we said last week, first law. And I did make the point about the king. And I, I believe I said that the first son of the king is the prince. Actually, all the sons of the king are prince. So please have my apologies on that. Every son of the king is a prince. Every daughter of the king is princess. So the prince is first in line for the throne. So that means no one outside of the royal family, so to speak, that is not prince, can decide that it's their time for the throne and bypass the prince or princess to the throne. So the prince is first in line. Princess is first in line. So the word principle speaks to first law. It is that law that is sometimes invisible in the product. As we said, it is the function. So sometimes a product is designed and people don't always know how it is supposed to function because they did not quite communicate how they designed it. The, the principle it was not communicated. In fact, there are many times when we ourselves don't read how the products are to be used and go ahead and uh, do our own thing. Or whenever it's not working, that's when we consult the manual. But principle is first law. And sometimes that's after you put your screwdriver in there and twist up the screw and cut off a piece of it to try and get it to fit and all of that. And of course, you can't even return the product for that. 
we're so guilty of that. Law is the established principle. It is when the principle is made official, is communicated that this is how the product is supposed to function. So when it is formalized or when it is made official, an instruction is the same thing as law. It is established law, instruction. Now, we covered that last week. The difference between a law and a command, or what we call a commandment, is that the law and the instructions, which are one, are spoken, but the, the commandment is when it is repeated. And remember, this is Dr. Miles Bono's explanation. So, in other words, Moses was up in Mount Sinai, and God gave him some instructions. But when he came down and repeated them to the people, that's when they were called commandments. All right? And then we call them the Ten Commandments. Going on to traditional, which is a very interesting one. Tradition is when your experience, whether conscious or unconscious, when your experience or experiences with the law become a custom and you begin to elevate that custom or that experience above the law that it came from. You know, when you begin to transfer your experience instead of the instruction or the law, that is strong. That is tradition. Most traditions start from a law. Sometimes it was a genuine instruction that was given by God. But after a while, God gives another instruction. But you stay with that first instruction because it worked well for you. And you don't move on with God. So it becomes a tradition. Although it was given by God, it now becomes a tradition. So sometimes people are more comfortable with keeping the experience because it worked one time instead of keeping the law. And it is so important that we understand that not because something worked for us a particular way in the past means that that's what God is saying today. Not because something worked for you a particular way in the past means that it should be taught as a doctrine, that that is the way it is. Because it may very well have worked for you in the past, but that's not what God is saying. Really. So if you examine the life of Jesus carefully, it's very interesting. He never did any miracle the same way over and over. Never did it the same way twice. In other words, Jesus raised quite a few people from the dead. But he never did it the same way. One time, he spoke the word. He called Lazarus from the dead. One time, he, he laid hands on somebody else. So you might ask, how do you raise the dead? There is nothing in the Bible as to how to raise the dead. 
We know that God is the resurrection and the life. Oh, God is the resurrection and the life. But there is no custom to say this is how you do. He healed blind people. On one occasion, he just spoke to Bartimaeus. Other time, he, he spat on the ground and mixed it in dirt and put it on the man's eye and said, go, go watch. He did it different way. Now, you can't just read that and go spit in dirt and start rubbing on people's eyes. Because this is God's not about tradition. There are other times when people are just worshiping and receive their miracle. So just because you were fasting and praying and believing God for some funds and you started walking up and, up and down in your house and say, money cometh in the name of Jesus. And supernaturally that evening, God gave you the finances. That don't mean that you should go and preach that when you are believing God for money, just walk around and say money coming. That's tradition. This is why it is so absolutely critical to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because you never know what he's up to at any one moment. You see, some of us have like our niche that we go to. You know, you go into a certain voice when you feel like Things are stiff and you want to lose up the service, you know. It's tradition. You you sing a certain song. This one always works. Learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not always one, two, three. So sometimes you do that kind of stuff and transfer customs instead of transferring the law. There are times when I'm doing intercession, my personal time of intercession, and in 20 minutes, I break through in terms of, you know, into that place where the first start flowing. Break beyond that area where the enemy tries to cloud your prayer and all that. There are times when it takes an hour and a half. I'm just saying that just because God told you that you should wear white shirt does not mean it is the same for me. So keep your ideas about your white shirt for yourself. Because that's you and God. For all of us, there are some things that you and God are working on personally and it is not for the public. It is about your growth. It's about your development. It is about you going to another land. Not everybody have the same heart for mission. Sometimes I'm going to a meeting like in, let's say in Tulsa. I arrive in Tulsa like 12, 1 a.m. in the morning, check into where I'm staying. And 7 o'clock the next morning, you have to be sitting in that room, which is not at the hotel, like 45 minutes from the hotel, so between 1 a.m. that you get there and 7 a.m., you've got to get settled, find your driver that is going to get you there, and um, get up, get ready, and be there at 7 a.m. So I'm saying that I'm fine with that, but if I'm traveling with people, I don't necessarily 
put them through that because not everybody is the same way. You have to know what works for you, what you can manage, what God is saying, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses. You see, if if the men's ministry is going to sing a song like we do sometimes, I want to practice three or four times. You see, Pastor Leo, I can practice one time and it's good for No, I'm not there. I'm just sharing the reality with you. I need four, five, six practice. So we now have to make sure that when it comes to the law, what the instructions that God gives us, we keep them in the context that God gives us and understand that the reason he gives you a particular instruction is to work with your life because he might be saying one thing to you, might be saying something else to me. So he, we might be receiving a special offering and he's saying to me 25,000, but he's saying to you 5,000. And, and this is why I have a little problem with those handkerchiefs that are sent all over for you to pay for and, you know, put it on a forehead or whatever. That, that, that's you. I have, I have a little problem because, you know, I believe that we need to follow the Lord and be careful of trying to transfer experiences and tradition instead of the instruction of the law. Of course, in the Bible, in the past, there was a time when it happened. There were times when the shadow of Jesus healed people. But you check how many times it happened that way. The instructions of the Lord, very, very important. All right, let's proceed into the review. Late last year, I was on the, at one of those uh, conferences in, in Oklahoma where Dr. Dean Radke was teaching. And Dr. Radke made a point. He said, God is not asking you to do your best to make sure what he has said to you get done. He is requiring of you to do whatever it takes to make sure that. And we started out the year sharing that thought. And that thought is still alive. That we love to hang on to cliches like only your best is good enough. And I understand the message that is being sent there. I do understand. But I agree that sometimes you have to understand that it is about whatever it takes. So even when you feel like you've given your best, you still have to go stretch out before God and say, God, I need instruction to find a way to make this thing work. So Isaac was living in a place named Gerard. And the Bible says that there was a famine in the land. Isaac was very rich in cattle. Now, we know that when there is a famine, it is not only a case where there is not food in the present, 
but the land does not yield its increase. Nothing is coming. The land is dry. So the grass, the fruit trees are not producing, not coming forth. So with Isaac being rich in cattle, the land is not yielding its increase, no water, no grass, and all of that. He thought it's best to move down to Egypt. That's the best idea he could come up with. And in the circumstances in the natural mind, reason. But as he was packing up to go, doing his best for his cattle and his servants to survive, his best for sustenance, God's estate in the land. It's about what it takes. God says, stay in the land. It's like, but God, you don't see what is happening? He obeyed the Lord and stayed in the land by faith. God blessed him. He increased. The Bible said he increased to the point that his enemies envied him. You know when you are at that place, there's some, that, that means there's some serious blessing in it because the enemy wants to criticize and downsize everything you do. Even when they see reality, they deny. But when they have to be in a place where they envy you, that means something out of the ordinary happen. How will it happen? Because Isaac did what was required. Sometimes, we're so settled that I, I did this, I did all of that, I don't know what else to do. I, I just give up. Go to God. Say, God, what is the next plan of action here? You see, in Hebrews, the Bible talks about, oh, by faith, Isaac and Abraham, Jacob and all of them accomplished all these things. So if Isaac was going to have a faith testimony, he, he he needed to be stretched beyond his best into what is required. Abraham thought, oh, leaving your homeland, following what God says, what a step of faith. He got another surprise and God said, we want to take it a little further. I want you to give me your son. And I believe that Abraham's action inspired God because on that same mountain that Abraham was going to offer Isaac, maybe about 2,000 years after that, somewhere there, the same vicinity, God is his son Jesus for us so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. So God is requiring of you not merely to do your best, but to do whatever it takes, of course, in the context of his instructions, to get the job done. No excuse. That's what that amounts to. No excuse. There is no excuse that you can come up with when you view it that way. Because if you try this and never got the job done, then you have to find the solution some way. What a great mentality to have. What a way to approach. I shall not die live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to get it done. Also, I want to share about how a branch bears fruit according to the vine that it is connected to. St. John 15, 
We're going to read a few verses there in a moment. But a branch bears fruit according to the vine that it is connected to. So all of us will bear fruit. But what kind of fruit? Because it is according to the vine that it is connected, that you're connected. And sometimes people are connected to a certain vine but want to bear a certain fruit. It does not work that kind of way. It doesn't matter how exciting the jackfruit look, uh, looks. If it is orange tree that you have in your yard, that's what you're going to get. And you can start the fasting. A branch is going to bear according to the vine that it is connected to. And so you can only grow in the environment that you are exposed to. This is why you have the responsibility of getting yourself in the proper environment. You cannot grow in the things of the kingdom of God if you're not exposed to the kingdom concepts. That is why some of us for many years would have been stagnated in the walk, no walk with the Lord because we were never exposed to the kingdom concepts. We know that church was right and uh, serving the Lord was important, but we were not exposed to the kind of environment to enable growth and development. In fact, there's some people that have stayed in that poor environment so long that it is so difficult to get them going now. So yet, after years, still, have to be working on. You will only grow in the environment that you're exposed to. So that means if certain things are happening at work and all of that, it is important how you manage that because you can't take that environment of work and take home and take to church and allow that to dominate the environment of your mind and your thoughts and all of that because that is going to dictate what you do. It is important to establish yourself in the right environment that you can grow in the things of God. Let's read St. John chapter 15. We're going to read from about verse 1 down to verse 6. It says, I am the true one, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me, that in me, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. He's talking about the branches in him now. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purged, purged it, and uh, that it may bring forth more fruit. So if you want God to begin to work on you, the first thing you have to do is to be connected to that vine. Because he is working on the branches that are in him. Every branch in me. Now we are clean through the word. Now we are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Let me paraphrase it a little bit. I want you to bear fruit that represents me. So I want you to abide in me so you can produce fruit according to this vine. So as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can he except 
he abide in me. I'm convinced that some of the fruit that we're seeing in, in, in the church, a lot of fruit, they're not coming from the vine of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have to examine what vine are we connected to? Are, are you connected to the vine of tradition, religion? Are you connected to the vine of unforgiveness? I am the vine, he said. I'm the real thing, the real vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit and much good fruit. Right? Because you don't want your tree to bear a lot of mangoes or apples. But when you check them, they're full of worms. Don't benefit you look at some mango trees and the mangoes are big and lush and nice, look like dinner and breakfast and all of that. But then when you go, they're filled with worms. But work on So much fruit, much good fruit we're talking about. But if those branches are connected to him, the fruit will be good because that's a good vine. I am the vine. You are the branches, he that abided in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth, forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Another thought I want to remind you of is different seasons require different approach and ought to be, you know, approach different. Different seasons require different approach. Some people are so one season. We have a lot of one season believers, and they try to approach every season the same way. Even when the word of the Lord comes, they feel that they can approach every season the same way, and it doesn't work. Different seasons require different approach if you're going to maximize that season. I remember arriving in Johannesburg in South Africa in August one year, coming with or going with my Western mentality. I did not know at that time that was their winter. You know, it's also, it's their winter because they are on the other side of the equator. I got out of the airport and I'm wondering what what is happening here? Do they have AC outside? This thing is ripping cold. In fact, I did not even know that it's new in South Africa on other occasion. This thing is cool. I, the people have asked, what is happening? They said, what do you mean, Pastor Beans? I said, why is it so cold? I said, this is the middle of winter. I said, winter? I was totally unprepared. I approached it wrong. The point I'm making is that Different seasons require different approach. And we do that in the natural. But when it comes to life and the things of the spirit, we don't. If you travel and go to North America and uh, it is 18 degrees and 15 degrees and in the 20, you know you don't wear shorts. You approach it differently. But in life, we want to approach Every season, the same way, it does not work. 
you will short circuit the results that God intended for you for that season if you approach it with the mentality of the next season that that, that, that pass. And there is a scripture in First Chronicles about the men of Issachar that I want to read because I want to point out something in that verse that sometimes we overlook. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. You cannot approach a new season with the mentality that I can't bother. You know, they're doing upgrades at your job or church or wherever, but it's, it's a different era, but your attitude is I can't bother. No, you, you've got to approach it with the mentality that look, Whatever is required, I'm going to get the best out of the season. It says the children of children of Issachar. Remember now that Issachar was one of the sons of Jacob, and the sons of Jacob represent the tribes of Israel. So the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, they had understanding of the times. Look at the next sentence. To know what Israel ought to do. The reason they had understanding of the times was to give Israel counsel, direction as to how to approach the different times or season. They had understanding of the times to know, to know what Israel ought to do. The reason why God announces a new season and gives you instruction is so that you know how to approach it, that you make the adjustments. It is important, very important, that we understand that it does not work in your interest to approach every season the same way. If you can remember when you just started going to primary school, just in case you can roll back the memory, that was a different experience from when you started going to high school. You needed to prepare differently. Maybe most of you, your parents, mother, father, took you to primary school the first day. I know in these days you still take the youngsters to high school too, but <laughs> high school is a different level. Your parents are not going to stay out at the gate and wait for you all day to make sure you're okay and all that kind of stuff. It's a different season of life. So we have to remember that the approach has to be different for different seasons so that we can maximize the results out of those seasons, get the very best. Next thought is, in every crisis, there are opportunities. I want to remind you that in every crisis, there are opportunities. Sometimes our approach again to crisis will determine what we get out of. So if you approach it to say, oh Lord, one more, I don't think I'm going to make it through this. You're going to come out of it in pieces. But if you approach it to say, listen, I'm going to fight. You know, the medical people, the doctors, they say that they love when people come into the hospital, especially in the emergency section, and decide that they're not going to 
die because they find that when people come and give up the will to fight, most times they die. But when people come in are willing to fight their way, there's a much greater chance of them living. So you have to approach crises to say, listen, God built success in me. God put eternity in me. And I have the ability to outlast any crisis. I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know that those that are with me are more than those that are against me. And I shall not die. God, give me instructions. Give me direction on how to go about this. God will refuse to give up. Don't see quitting as, a, as an option. In every crisis, there are opportunities. I want to remind you that opportunities don't hang around and wait until you're ready. Until you change your mind, quote unquote, change your mind and, uh, and go through all kind of changes in your thoughts over the two weeks or a month or whatever. Opportunities don't hang around and wait until you are ready. Opportunities have a lifespan and they have time constraint. So they are not going to hang around in your life forever. If you are going to capitalize on the opportunity of a lifetime, you must act in the lifetime of the opportunity. You have to make it work while it lasts. Many, many people have missed crucial opportunities in their lives because they were not alive and alert to the opportunities. So you have to make sure that you don't succumb to the circumstances of your life. But remember that you have in you the kind of power the kind of authority push through circumstances and to have a testimony at the end of the day. There is no testimony that is going to come without challenge. So I encourage you today, I charge, I challenge, I admonish you today to remember that you have to capitalize on the opportunities while they are still alive. Sometimes after a year and things are passed, people are thinking or asking, you remember that thing that you told me about? What thing? I don't even remember. That opportunity is gone. It's a new day. Here's a last thought I want to share with you as a reminder of what we've gone through for 2020 so far. The proof of desire is in pursuit. How much you go after something will really determine how much you really want. The proof of desire is in pursuit. That is why when we put that in context with what I've been sharing recently about seeking the kingdom, the word seek means to seek and keep on seeking. It speaks to desire, hunger. Jesus said in another way, he said, he that hunger and thirst 
for righteousness shall be filled. The proof of desire is in pursuit. So how intensely have you been seeking the kingdom? How have you, how much have you been seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking? David demonstrated this very, very well. One time he said, you know what? I'm going to praise God every day, at least one time. Well, actually, he started at three. He said, I'm going to praise God three times a day. I'm going to praise him in the morning. I'm going to praise him at noon. I'm going to praise him in the evening. And as David praised and pursued God, David felt like that wasn't enough at all. So he increased it to seven. He said, I'm going to praise him seven times a day. You talk about seeking and seeking and seeking and desire and pursuit. Pretty soon after that, he said, you know what? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. He went from three to all times as he pursued God. And he put it in another way to say, as the deer panted on a water. So my soul, long it after, you alone know how my heart's desire long to worship. Talk about pursuit. The degree to which you seek the kingdom tells how much you really desire. You can't find any time to seek the kingdom. I'm so busy, I, I really want, but I don't have time. You don't really want. I know we're all busy throughout this week, but. If you hear that certain things are happening, you've been wanting a piece of property from years ago and praying about it, and you understand that they're giving away property 11 o'clock on Thursday, whatever arrangements you need to make, you're going to be there. Get to the embassy in Kingston, 7 o'clock in the morning takes you out of the proper early morning rest. But to pursue that visa, many are willing to make a sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice are you willing to make for the Lord? How much do you want the kingdom of this It's not merely in talk, but it is about action. How much are you willing to pursue? The proof of desire we thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.